Good morning. Today's reading is from Genesis 32:22 through 30. Hear the word of the Lord. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. And he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning, Christ Community. My name is Nathan. Um, it's good to be with you. I'm one of the senior pastors. It's been a while since I've been uh, here with you, but it's always such a delight. I love the, just the warmth and the community in this place. It's clear that God is doing something. Uh, and it's obvious, uh, you guys need a new building, right? Um, good grief. It's like I'm, I'm going to spit on you at some point. I'm sorry about that. Um, I have personal space issues and they're being tested right now. So, um, but no, we're excited, aren't we? I mean, it's, it's amazing. How many of you have been in the new space? Yeah, a bunch of you. Yes, it's, a, it's incredible, isn't it? You think about like this tiny room and then that, that new, I mean, it's so huge, right? There's so much opportunity, so much potential. Um, and we're just, we're so excited for the future of Christ community. Uh, we're still a little mad at Tyler, right? Um, I mean, not, not really, uh, but, uh, you know, we're heartbroken. We love Tyler. We know that he's, he's leaving soon, uh, but God is going to do incredible things for him. But you have an awesome team here. Uh, when Gabe asked me to step in this morning, I was just delighted to be able to be a part of it uh, for the morning uh, today. And we're, again, we're excited what God does. We know that God, God loves his church. God loves cities, right? Because he loves people. Um, he, it, it was his idea, right? And so uh, to be able to be here in our city, to care well uh, for our city, uh, it's who we want to be as a church. And so thanks for being a part of that. Let me pray for us, and we'll jump into God's word this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us from these ancient words. Even this bizarre story of Jacob wrestling with you, God, I pray that we would see ourselves in this story, that we would see you, Lord Jesus, at work um, in us through this story. I'm um, in that Holy Spirit, you would convict, comfort, encourage, and make us more into your, the image of your son, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever wrestled with God? Have you ever wrestled with God? I mean, maybe, maybe not literally, like in our like super bizarre story this morning. Like if you were listening to those words, it's just like, okay, what is happening here, right? So maybe, maybe not literally. And yet, I would guess for many of us, in some way or another, at some point, I mean, if you've taken God seriously even a tiny bit, there's a really good chance you've wrestled with him, right? 
I mean, you may or may not be a Christian, but you've wrestled perhaps with, with God through understanding meaning and, or your doubt, your questions. You've, you've brought those to him. You've wrestled. So others of us, like we've wrestled with his rules, right? And why, why he says certain things. And many of us, probably even the majority of us at some point, if we've wrestled with God, we've wrestled around those areas of disappointment, frustration, fear. We bring those to him and, and we wrestle. I think oftentimes we don't really know what to do with those moments. Like, is it okay that I'm wrestling with God? And I think what we see in the story this morning, and I think what's true of, of the experience of many of us, is that wrestling with God is not just okay but it's actually a necessary part of faith. That if we're really going to take him seriously, we are going to wrestle. It's just, it's, in, it's inevitable from time to time. I mean, how else will you know if you've encountered the living God if you don't wrestle with him? But why? Why did we wrestle with God? Why did Jacob wrestle with God? Well, church, I think it's because our biggest problem is God. We wrestle with God, I'm convinced, because our biggest problem as humans is, is God. It's not, it's not the circumstance that we find ourselves. It's not minimizing those things, right? But it's not, your biggest problem is not your job or your finances or your relationship or, or, or lack of one, right? It's not your family or your health. And again, we're not making light of those. But if God is real, then he is our biggest problem. And so we'd better learn how to wrestle with him. We'd better learn how to wrestle, and where, where better to go, right, uh, than to the one person to wrestle with God face-to-face and live. If you have a, if have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 32. Again, it's, it's a weird story because Jacob, like, he literally wrestles with God, or at least like with an angel or some manifestation of God. I mean, there's, there's a lot we don't understand about this story, and I'm not going to try to figure it out, right? Because we just, we don't know, but yet that's, that's what happens. He's wrestling with God. They battle together, and so this is the guy that we need to learn to learn from if, if we're going to wrestle as well. But before we get to this, that story, before we get to the part where we just read, let me kind of back up and give us a little context of what's going on in Jacob's life. Like, how did, how did he get to this point anyway, where he's wrestling with God. Okay, so, so Jacob, we've been following this family's history for quite a while, right? In Genesis, we've gone Abraham, Isaac, and now to Jacob. And we know that Jacob is, is the line through which God's promises will continue. They're going to go forward through Jacob, eventually all the way to Jesus. Like we know that the reader understands it at this point. So it's, he's a big deal, okay? But, but 20 years ago, Jacob moved away from his home, his family, and went and kind of moved in with his, his father-in-law, wasn't his father-in-law yet, but became his father-in-law, Laban. And for 20 years, he's, he's worked for Laban, and it's, it's, never, it's never been great, uh, to say the least. In fact, we'll spend more time about that next week, kind of jumping around a little bit in the story. Uh, but there's, there's a storm brewing in this, in this relationship. And so, I mean, Jacob's been, he's been working there for, for 20 years. Uh, he's gotten rich along the way in his work, but his boss, his father-in-law, Laban, has not. So there's like tension. Um, and Laban has like continually mistreated Jacob the entire way. Okay, it's just been, it's been terrible, right? Again, we can look forward to that next week. But essentially, there, there's this, this storm brewing. Uh, and like Jacob, Jacob knows that like, if I don't, if I don't leave, 
I'm dead. Like Laban is going to kill me or his sons. Like it's just getting, it's that, it's that bad. And so, so he goes and Jacob, like, by the way, this is important. Like Jacob at this point, he's actually trying to follow Yahweh. Okay, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the case early on, I don't think. But now he's truly trying to follow God. He's not been great. He's still sort of living up to his name. He's still kind of a trickster. So his name in Genesis is often used sort of as like the deceiver, the trickster, the grabber, the heel grabber, right? If you think back to that early story, that's sort of what Jacob is, is used at his name. And he's, he's lived up to his name. And so in the middle of the night, he runs, terrified. You know, his, his family, his servants, his livestock, they just leave. In fact, it says in 31 verse 20, and Jacob tricked Laban by leaving. Again, it's, it's what he does, right? He's a trickster. But, but Laban catches up with him. And so, you know, at this point, the reader's like, okay, is this, is this the end? Is, is this where the promise of God dies? Is there, is there going to be a battle? Well, no, it actually ends fairly peacefully, okay? And so they kind of settle their score there together, and they, they, part, they part ways. And so at this point, I mean, Jacob would have been terrified, and so you almost imagine him, at least I imagine him, kind of doing a happy dance, okay? Laban caught me. I thought I was going to die. We're all good. Doing this happy dance when all of a sudden it dawns on him Oh, but what about Esau? Because things are way worse with Esau than they ever were with Laban. I mean, Esau, like that's his twin, remember him? Um, They do not have a good relationship, okay, Uh, to say the least. In fact, that's why Jacob ran away in the first place. He was running from his brother that he ended up with Laban. So 20 years later, like he fled that hot mess because Jacob, if if you remember, like Jacob had tricked his brother out of his birthright, first of all, which is a big deal. And then he tricked their dad out of giving Esau, the favorite child, the blessing. And Jacob received it instead. And so I know that's, that's a lot to, to process, but essentially, I mean, Jacob blew up their family, and then he runs, leaving Esau just as this angry casualty. And so, off they go, off Esau goes, and he, he must be thinking that, because like Esau, 20 years later as he fled, Esau had vowed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. Like maybe, maybe you've said that about a sibling before, but like... Esau meant it. I am going to murder him. Oh, yay. I'm safe from Laban. Only to have Esau kill me and my entire family. And so, (laughs) Jacob's freaking out again, but he's trying to fix it. And so if you look at the story, like as it, as it unfolds there in the first part of 31, so he sends, he sends, or middle part of 31 now, he, he sends messengers to his brother. It's like, just, can you talk to him for me, <laughs> you know? Can you, can you just tell me, how, is he still mad, right? Is he still angry? And so, so they go out and they, they come back and the messengers are like, um, wow, he is super excited to see you. In fact, he's on his way here uh, with 400 men. <laughs> um, and so, like, Jacob rightfully, I mean, it says 32 verse 7, right? Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Like, yeah, of course he was, right? Why else would Esau bring 400 men? This is, a, this is a death squad, okay? And Jacob knows it. The reader knows it. Like, this is not going to be good. And so, so Jacob then, he's like, he's cutting his losses. He divides the group into two parties. Because, I mean, seriously, he's like, well, maybe he'll just kill half of us, right? 
I mean, that's, that's his logic at this moment. And, and then he prays. Okay, that's good. So he's trying, right? And then, then he begins sending all of this wealth back to his brother Esau. He sends it in three droves. I mean, everything he's worked the past 20 years of his life to obtain, all of it. It's like, well, if we're dead, who cares? And so he's, he sends it all back. He's trying his best to fix it. And then he hides his family on the other side of the stream and waits. And again, the reader is asking, is this the end? Is there a battle coming? Will God's promises here be defeated? Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. It's the middle of the night. He's all alone, which, you know, makes everything worse. Lying there, unable to see, sleep, thinking about his life. I mean, these are fun moments, aren't they? You've been there. And people, if you're wondering, like, this is the low point for Jacob. Like, and the author wants us, like, everything in his, nothing, it couldn't be worse than this, right? He's terrified, he's alone. Disaster is all around him. And then God shows up. To wrestle him. Not to comfort him. Not to tell him, hey, buddy, it's going to be fine, right? Not to, to pat him on the back and say, hey, to reaffirm. No, none of that happens here. To, to wrestle. You know why? Because Jacob's biggest problem has been, is, and always will be God. Not Laban. Not Esau. His biggest problem is God. Because Jacob has been wrestling his entire life, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's been his, his mode. He's a wrestler. He's a runner. He's a, he's a trickster. Like, that's even part of what his name means, right? This is who he is. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I picture him a little bit like this. Anybody else, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's his career. Like Hulk Hogan, Jacob is a pro because Jacob wrestles, Jacob wins. If Jacob has a problem, he fixes it. If he, if he wants something, he knows how to get it. And he always comes out on top. Until God shows up. Why? Well, because God wants us to battle with him. That's, that's the first lesson, I think. From this story. God wants you to battle with him. Before you battle anybody else, right, or wrestle with the things that all of us deal with, battle number one is with God. So God comes to Jacob, and you know, in many ways, he just makes everything worse, doesn't he? Uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite works of art. It's not in this room, unfortunately. Uh, it's by my daughter. She's 10. Her name is Eden. She has a dark sense of humor, just like her father. Um, and it's actually a book that she made. Uh, it's titled Bob, exclamation point. If you can see it, we got yeah, big up there. Uh, and it actually just has one page, right? Take a look at it. See? <laughs> like, that's it. That's the whole story. Bob getting struck by lightning. I love that girl. Ah, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. It's like the Coen brothers, isn't it? Um, but like that, like, you, you can put Jacob on the title there. Like, this is, this is what's happening to Jacob. Everything is getting worse, right? It's falling apart. Jacob, you only think your, your battle 
is with Esau. It's actually with me, God says. And just so you know, that's way worse, right? And I think, I think you and I, many of us, I think we know this or we, we intuit this, but like, I think here's the deal. It's often in those lowest moments when we find out who it is we're really battling, right? Because the question for us in, the, in those moments, it's not, the question isn't how are you going to pay your bills or how are you going to fix that relationship or, or figure out what to do with your life. And those are important questions, right? God never minimizes those questions. But the biggest question for Jacob, the biggest question for us is always, always, who are you going to trust? Like the question underneath every other question, right? The, the wrestling under every other wrestle. I mean, you may be wrestling with X and X matters. God cares about X. But as you wrestle with X, are you wrestling with God? Let me, let me give an example, because I think some of us have probably seen this in others, or maybe you've experienced it for yourselves, but it's in those rawest moments of life, like, like where Jacob is, right? Those moments when it falls apart, that for so many of us, faith either grows or it dies, right? Almost never stays the same. That's us wrestling. In fact, I got an email a few weeks ago um, from someone in our church. She writes, hey, Nathan, I know I talked to you when life was pretty raw. She just, huge crisis in her life. And she says, I'm still deeply hurt, but I've experienced a closeness to Jesus unlike any other time in my life. Not always sure I will understand why, but I know he was with me. And you see, she's not, she's not just wrestling with her circumstances, right? She's wrestling with God. And in my, my years as a pastor, you know, I have cried and I have prayed with so many hurting people. I mean, so many, so many. And in those, in those moments, I always pray for the thing that they're asking for, right? Of course, I want to come alongside them in those moments and pray for what it is they're asking. But I, I always pray as well the thing that we need the most. God, help us to trust you. Because that that's the wrestle underneath, that's the question underneath the question. God, help us trust. That's the real battle. It always is your biggest problem. My biggest problem is God. And he wants you to battle with him, will you? Okay, time to rumble. Ding, ding, ding. Round one. So the, the match begins, Right? That's a crazy scene, right? It's dark, it's late, uh, he's terrified, right? And at first, Jacob, understandably, just assumes this is just some guy. Like, maybe it's Esau, maybe he snuck into the camp or somebody. Like, he, he thinks it's just, just like a normal human fight, right? Only, only later do we find out, does Jacob find out that it's God he's wrestling with. So verse, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, and a man, later to be revealed as God, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, which is just comical, isn't it? Stop there for a second. Because it kind of looks like it's going to be a tie, right? Like, wow, God, uh, you need to work out more or something. Like, like it, you just, you don't, it's just silly, right? Of course, I, I, love, I love this artist's depiction of it, you see? Where, where he, like, the angel almost looks bored. Doesn't he? He's like, uh, try, try harder, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of this, he's going to fall asleep or something. I actually kind of think of it like arm wrestling with one of my kids, you know? 
Because I can, I can do this all day, right? Uh, and they can try as hard as they want, and, you know, we'll do that, and let, let's just pretend like hours go by, right? And sure, I mean, they're, man, they're, they're strong, they're, they're persistent, they keep doing it, they're just, we're just going, but it's, I'm getting bored, right? And that's kind of the scene here. It's like, it's morning's coming, right? They're just standing there like that, wrestling. And so imagine then me arm wrestling one of, my, one of my kids. Again, they're 10 and 12. Um, and I'm just bored. And so I want to end it. And so I just break their leg. Right? Um, I mean, that's one way to live your life. Right? And that's, that's, that's not what happens. But it's not not what happens. Um, it's, it's, again, this is, I, lo- I love the Bible. I love the Old Testament. Uh, it, is, it is my authority. But you've got to laugh, right? Because these stories, they're so, they're so far removed from us culturally. But look, look what he says, right? Verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, in the Hebrew, it's a, it's a gentle touch is the word, okay? So I, that's nice, I guess, right? But it's sort of like God kicks him gently while he's down and gives him a limp. What? Our biggest problem is God. And he wants us to wrestle with him. But be warned, he often gives us limps. Doesn't he? That's lesson number two. God hands out limps. <laughs> you may not like it, right? And before, before you judge God too harshly in this, we need to keep in mind that maybe actually sometimes a limp is exactly what we need. You and I both know it, don't we? Because again, Jacob had a pattern. He's a fixer. He's a trickster. In fact, Robert Alter, he's a, a scholar of that time period. He writes, in almost all his dealings, Jacob the bargainer, trader, wrestler, and heel grabber has managed to win out. Like it's just always worked for him. He's good at solving his own problems. And God is finally like, Okay, Jacob, trick me. I dare you. Do it. And now he walks with a limp. Why? I think in many ways it's because proud people, self-sufficient people, people like Jacob, frankly, people like me, probably like many of us in this room, people who can, who can fix their own problems, who can figure out their own way, we don't really think we need God that much. Right? Right? We're doing just fine. So sometimes to help us, God hands out limps. Because I, I mean, I'm, transparently, I, I feel a bit like Jacob in this story. Because I'm a fixer. It's what I do. I'm an achiever. I love getting things done. Like, I, I hate asking for help. I, I know how to tackle my own problems. And if I'm honest, I know how to work the angles as well, right? I'm a bit like Jacob. And I've wondered sometimes, I mean, I've, I've always, uh, like, as long as I can remember, I've always struggled with mild depression. It's never too bad, but it's almost always there. And I've, just, I've wondered sometimes if God has allowed that in my life as part of my story because he knew I needed a limp. And I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not, I, not even pretending to know what, why God does the things that he does. I'm not doing any of that, okay? I'm not saying anything for your story. This is me, okay? But I do know that in Hebrews chapter 12, 
in the New Testament, says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines who? The one he loves. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that every trial is God's discipline, okay? I'm not saying that. And yet he did give Paul, the apostle, thorn in the flesh. He gave Esau, or gave Jacob a limp. And if you're willing to wrestle with him, he might give you one as well. It might be the best thing for you. Ding, 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 round two. Round two. So he, he touches the hip, right? But, but Jacob grabs on and refuses to let go. Verse, verse 26. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? I think this is my favorite part of the story, actually. Because God, God knows his name, right? But think about, think about this. 20 years earlier, when Jacob tricked his father to give him the blessing, because he lied about his name. His father asked him, who are you? And he said, Esau, I'm the, I'm the one you love, I promise. And it was a lie. And so here again, now God asks him, tell me who you are. What is your name? I am Jacob. But again, remember like how that name is so often used, right? I'm, I am Jacob the trickster. Maybe that's his wrestling name, right? I'm Jacob, Jacob the deceiver, Jacob on the run, Jacob afraid, Jacob the failure, right? And God says to him, not anymore. Look at verse 28. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. He names him Israel, right? It's a name that should ring a bell, right? Sort of used here to mean something like the one who wrestles with God. That Jacob's new name and the name of God's people throughout the Old Testament Right? The one who wrestles with God. And that's what, that's what God calls his people. But wrestling with him is an essential part of faith. It's part of what it means to trust, to believe, to wrestle. And don't miss this. As we wrestle in faith, God names the wrestler. Now, wrestler names are ridiculous, Right? I mean, just to be clear, I haven't watched professional wrestling since I was probably 15. I don't want you all to walk away thinking, man, that Pastor Nathan sure watches a lot of wrestling. Um, it's been a long time, right? But, like, the names are ridiculous, like Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake, Jesse the Body, or my, my personal favorite, right, Macho Man, Randy Savage, right? This shows my age a little bit. Um, like, those are the names they give themselves, Right? To identify who they are, to predict who they're going to be. And the, re the reality, like whether you realize it or not, like chances are you have a name for yourself. It's probably implicit. It's not something you probably even ever thought of. But you have a way of thinking about yourself that you think defines you. And for many of us, it's, it's around our deepest area of shame or regret. It's around a, a disappointment or an inadequacy that we feel or a failure. 
Or maybe, maybe that's not you, but you've, you've been spending your whole life trying to make a name for yourself. Everything you do, right? It's like success, power, money, sex, getting enough likes, like reputation, even, even our own good works, right? We try so hard to make a name for ourselves. And you will always be wrestling. But those who wrestle with God, he gets to name you. And like Jacob, that's just not who you are anymore. Instead, he names us. If you're with Jesus, he names you loved, chosen, child of God, one who wrestles with him and prevails. And church, that, that's grace. Because I, I, love, I love how the story ends. Because Jacob, he finally gets it, right? Because he realizes, as, as the story kind of concludes, um, who it is he's been wrestling with. And really, I think not even just at this moment, but his whole life, right? Not just this moment, that his biggest problem, because he's, at the end, like, he's just so glad to be alive, right? You, you notice that? Like, verse, verse 30, his, his huge declaration is, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. I should be dead. I've wrestled with God, and God didn't kill me, which is grace. And church, you and I get to receive that same grace because not only do we get to wrestle with God, we have a God who wrestles for us. Because this descendant of Jacob, Jesus, right, he would come and he, he would actually lose the match, at least at all face value, right, as he, as he died on the cross, like the ultimate defeat, which became our ultimate victory as he rose from the empty grave. And that we as his people, like, not only is God, yes, he's our biggest problem, he is also our greatest solution. And he invites us to wrestle with him. To bring our problems, our doubts, our sins, our questions, our disappointments, our hurts, any, whatever it is, to bring them to him and wrestle with him. And if we, if we do, I'm convinced three things happen. Let me just mention them quickly. If we wrestle with God, first it reorders our problems it doesn't take them away, right? I mean, we still have those other things that we're going to wrestle with, but it puts them in their proper place because if God is my biggest problem, and yet because of Jesus, he doesn't just tolerate me, he adopts me, like that gives perspective to all my other problems, doesn't it? So that's the first thing. Second, second wrestling with God, it also reduces our fear, doesn't it? Like, I, I'm convinced of this because like, think about this. Like, Jacob still has to meet his brother. Like he still assumes at this moment Esau still wants him dead, it all works out, by the way. We're not even going to talk about that part. Because um, it's, really, it's really not the most important thing in the story. What's important is that he wrestled with God and lived. And if that's true, then what, what can Esau do, right? What can, what can those things that we fear, and like we're not minimizing them, but if you've been wrestling with God, embraced by his grace, your fears do not have to rule you. And then finally, wrestling with God renews our faith. It renews our faith because instead of stewing on our problems, you know, griping about them or always striving to fix them on our own, which is just, that's at our fault, it's what we do, right? Which pushes us away from God. Instead of doing that, we can bring them to our Father who longs to listen, who longs to wrestle. 
God is our biggest problem. And wrestling with him is the only way our faith will survive. I'm convinced of that. In fact, in some ways, I think we're a little bit like sharks. Hear me out. So a few years ago, we were uh, visiting my wife's family in, in Florida. That's where she grew up. And we were, we were swimming in the Gulf. It's kind of what you do when you go to Florida. Um, and uh, it, was, it was out pretty far with my son. He was probably five at the time. Uh, and we look out, and there was a shark, like, swimming right towards us. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, like, exaggerating that. And I'm, I'm not a marine biologist, uh, but it was not a big fish. It was not a dolphin. It was absolutely a shark, and it was coming right towards us. And, like, it was close enough to us, and we were far enough from the shore. Like, there was, there was nothing we could do. I just grabbed my son, held him tight, and just, like, stood there watching it come closer, waiting to be eaten, basically. <laughs> and as it, as it got closer, like, I could see it was maybe five feet long, so it wasn't huge. And I thought, well, I could, I could punch it in the face if I had to. Um, but I'm still, I'm, like, freaking out. My heart rate is, like, absolutely intense in this moment. And yet, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm here, I guess. But it just... It just swam by. They didn't want anything to do with it. Just kept, just kept swimming. And actually, this is weird, but there, there are some sharks, a few kinds, where they always have to be moving. They, always, they can't ever stop. They always have to swim. Moving forward. It's the only, like literally, if they don't, they will drown. It's, they force the water into their gills to get the oxygen. Like if they stop, they, they die. It's move or die. And as I thought about it, like that church, that's a lot like faith. Like the moment we stop moving, the moment we stop wrestling with God is the moment part of our faith begins to slowly die. Our doubts, our questions, our fears, disappointments, whatever's on your list, people, it is, it is wrestle or die. And it gives, me, it gives me a bit of hope that God even names his people in the Old Testament, those who wrestle with me. That he wants our struggles that he invites us to himself. Because let's be honest, you and I, like we wrestle all the time. With this and with that. When is the last time you've wrestled with God? Let's pray. Father, I'm so struck by your grace in the story that you invite us to this level of nearness. That it doesn't have to always be clean or pristine that we don't have to clean up ourselves before we come to you, that we can bring everything that we have, all that we are, our ugliness, our brokenness, our doubts, that you invite us to yourself and you wrestle us with your grace. Would you do that for us right now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.